0: Devin Armani Booker. That's all I gotta say, Matthew. That's say it all again. I've gotta say. say Devin <laughs>
1: Armani
0: motherfucking Booker. That's all I've gotta say, dude. How uh, are you doing today, man? We're recording this about an hour after the Suns beat the Clippers, one seventeen to one fifteen, game three of the bubble. How you feeling, my friend?
1: I'm unbelievable. I really am. Just unbelievable. I um like, my energy's zapped now. I, I just, I've been all over the place the last hour, but I just I can't believe what I saw. This is the greatest moment, I think, in Sun's history in a long, long time.
0: It's seriously the best shot that we've had in Sun's history in 14 years. Since Raja Bell hit that corner three in 2006 in the Western Conference semis, that's the last time we've had a moment like this. It's it's. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Where were you 14 years ago? Suns Jamsters, who were you 14 years ago? How old were you 14 years ago? That's the last time the Suns had any type of significant shot that meant something like this. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a shot that occurred in technically a regular season game. But with so much weight behind it, in the bubble, in these extraordinary circumstances, Devin Booker stepped up and delivered today like we've always wanted him to do. Devin Booker finally has earned his signature highlight for the rest of the world to see. Everybody's always talking, well, what's Devin Booker? You know, what's he really done? I've, you know, I see he's good. And whenever he he comes to town, yeah, all of our guys play defense against him because he's clearly the best player on their team. But they can never point to that kind of one moment where they're like, well, we'll just Google Devin Booker and this is the first thing you see. Yeah. Right now, this, (laughs) this is the first thing you see, man.
1: It's definitely it definitely is, and what sucks is uh, it's such a great moment. But everything in the past now that Devin Booker has done, even like the 70-point game, now people will go back and look at it and be like, "Wow, like this guy is a hell of a player," you know, just because of the one shot, which is just like the next tier, the next thing that we wanted Devin Booker to improve on was just his clutch shooting, which mm-hmm. he did right there. Yes, sir. and then And also just his leadership, and he he's really taken it to another level. This is the next level, Devin Booker that the Suns fans just couldn't wait to see, and now we get to see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, things are going crazy in Phoenix. Suns Twitter's been going crazy all day. This is amazing to actually feel something like this again again. I'm kind of like you, like I'm up and I'm down because I was so jazzed when it happened. I was actually uh, <laughs> yeah. at work. Our market area is closed right now due to COVID-19, but there's still a TV in there. So I'm just sitting there watching the game alone, and I'm just pacing back and forth for that last minute and a half. And he makes that shot, and I just start screaming and yelling. I think I startle people outside because you could hear me because I'm kind of a loud guy. And I went running outside to go tell somebody, then I realized I didn't have my mask on. So I like run back inside and Someone I was like, shoot I
1: mean, you? Uh, <laughs> everyone, sh- they
0: shot me looks. They're like, is that the guy who screamed and why does he have no mask on? And what's going on? I'm like, it's okay. Devin Armani Booker, ladies and gentlemen, Nobody cares, yeah, so nobody cares yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about that here in a second. We'll get everybody squared away on the housekeeping notes, reminding everybody that this is the Suns Jam Session podcast, and you can follow it at Suns Jam on both Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to follow the Facebook page. follow us at sunsjamsession.com, email the page or email the, the show sunsjamsession at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voita, and you can follow Matthew on Twitter.:
1: I might even see.
0: All right, that's I'm done talking in my radio voice. I'm going to crack open this fucking beer, bro, cuz I've been waiting to crack this open this whole day. This is a Torpedo Extra IPA from Sierra Nevada. It's 7.2% alcohol. Let's uh Ooh, let's talk sons, hey, baby. So the Suns going against the Clippers and you know this is one of those games going into it I think that you were more optimistic than I was for sure on our last podcast I predicted this would be a loss on the last podcast you predicted this to be a win you've been saying that for the first you know for about eight weeks now you're like listen the first three games well maybe not eight weeks but plenty long you've been saying the first three games are wins for the Suns mm-hmm. and what was your final score prediction do you remember was it one I don't remember you know, I
1: throw those out there and I just don't remember I was trying to think I know I think it was like six points so okay. you had
0: the two-point loss, right,
1: by the, uh, by the Suns losing the game by two? No,
0: no, I had them losing by more than that. Okay, it was like well, maybe I guessed 13. them by two points.
1: Maybe I did guess two points. I don't remember. I'll have to go back and listen to the last pod.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All I know is you were right. You predicted this one correctly, and it started off. Where did you watch this game? Were you home today? Or? Yeah, I was at home. I was just okay, chilling at cool.
1: home today, yeah. Last nice. day off. So,
0: okay. you know, I got the good game in. I'm oh, glad yeah. I was home to see it. Uh, if only you had tomorrow off, then you can enjoy some of this extra IPA like me and really get fucked up. <laughs> but uh, San, the the Los Angeles Clippers came out in those San Andreas jerseys, and we talked yeah. about it with uh, Sabrina Merchant when she was on here. What what are your thoughts on those jerseys? I've always liked the those. Game? I've always liked them. I think
1: they look great. I'm a big fan of the game, of course, but uh... – <laughs>
0: Yeah, San Andreas was a great game, wasn't it?
1: Great game, but just the look. I love the black and white a lot more than a lot of people do. I always brought up the Brooklyn Nets. They do it well. Clippers did it well here. I don't think they've really had a bad-looking jersey. Their logo now is a little iffy, but their yeah. jerseys have always looked kind of good. It's kind of hard to mess up the, the red, white, and blue look, I feel like, right?
0: Yeah, it really is hard, and I think that's why so many teams across sports have those colors. I don't know how much I like the San Andreas mm-hmm. jerseys. Just That's me personally. I think that mm-hmm. the... Just, I don't know, the font just doesn't look right, you know, because it's a uppercase with lowercase. I don't know. I just don't like it, you know. Every jersey that you look at, for the most part, I'm, I'm trying to think of one that isn't, where it's, like, it's all uppercase. You know, there's no, like, big L, little mm-hmm. A-K-E-R-S, or bucks, you know, like, you know, sons. It's all Yeah, they're just trying letters. to switch it up, right? They're trying to do yeah. something different. So yeah, and, and, and they accomplished that. Yeah. And, uh, of course, then the game started, and I got to give kudos to DA because – You know, it's like he said in the last, uh, after the last game, where he was showcasing his ability to be aggressive, maybe not on the court from a statistical standpoint, but in the way that he approached his game, you know, we talked about the foul trouble that he got in, how he was getting pissed off. And it was nice to see him pissed off following the Mavericks performance. And he came out he was aggressive in that first quarter. What were your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, he was, he was hitting his shots, which is big. Um, I thought too. this happens a lot with DA to where you want him just to shoot it when he's wide open and he's hesitant and he shoots it and he makes it from three. Now I think he's like five of six now from three in Orlando, something like that. Crazy. I think he missed maybe two. But you want to see him just be more confident in that shot, which I think he is in this game, and he got it going. Um, it, it's interesting now. than when I think of a Da because he's really improving, I think, and he's a young player. The whole Suns team is full of young players. But now we're like heading into this different thing that we've never seen with Phoenix in a long time, where they're moving into competitive games, uh, trying to make their spot, uh, trying to make their spot into the playoffs. So now DA has to learn a little bit quicker. And I think that's awesome for him, too, to be in these situations like today where it's a must-win game for the Suns. And I think he absolutely came out great. He was still a little hesitant, but he found his way to get a little bit of his groovy shots off. I, I, mm-hmm. They always just look groovy. I don't know what it is. His shots look groovy. They're groovy, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> but he had some trouble, though, I think, down low. Um, I mean, what do you think? Like, down low with Zubak, it's a bad mismatch for him. I mean, you you think
0: the same way, right? Yeah, it's definitely a tough mismatch for him. I mean, Zubak is just one of those big, uh, excelling rim protectors. You know, the B-ball index stat of the pod, if you will, is the fact that from a rim-protecting standpoint, he's one of the best in the league. I think he's in the 93rd percentile at creating just a a deterrence at the rim. You know, guys don't go in there because he's going to block your shit. And DA, even though he can power through those guys still chooses to be the shooter from the outside which is okay because he's got a beautiful jump shot I mean that's when one of the one of the things that he's always had going back to his U of A days is he could definitely shoot the ball and you saw that a lot in the first half he came out in that first half he shot the ball 11 times so and Booker did too they both shot it 11 times so that shows you right there how different he is from an aggressive standpoint, is the fact that he shot the ball 11 times. He went six for 11, one for two from downtown, and had 13 points in the first half. Now, he trailed off in the second half. I think he only ended up shooting the ball nine times in the second half. But still, seeing him taking that many shots is something that I'm a big fan of because I want him to gain that confidence because there are going to be situations where, in late game situations, where if you need two points – you need to rely on DA, and he needs to build that confidence in himself. And when you see him shoot all those jump shots, I know that a lot of Suns fans get on him for that, and I don't think they should. I think that that's part of his game. You know, he's going to get those down low shots, too. He's a great offensive and defensive rebounder, and he's really good at doing the putbacks. So if taking a few of those shots helps him get in the groove of the game, like he said at the end of the last game, I'm a guy who likes to get in the groove of the game. Well, if that's what helps him get in the groove of the game is shooting that shot, It pulls that defense apart and it does nothing but benefit the team. So it was really good to see him come out and be aggressive uh, offensively in this game.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um shooting the three more though would help because they still they the defense is really lax on da when he's at the three point line. They they still give him, Yeah, they give him the space. I mean, they see the numbers where he's at least shooting over 50%. So you would think they would maybe give up on it, get up on him, but they know that he's hesitant, he's looking to pass. So if he can just keep jacking those up, then you'll have the room underneath to make the correct pass to a cutting Mm -hmm. Mikel Bridges or Devin Booker.
0: Yeah, which is something he excels at as well. So again, I was just happy to see that against a team where I knew that that would be a challenge. I knew that Zubak was going to be probably the primary challenge for the Suns in this game it's like okay well how yeah. does DA attack them and then I also think that Patrick Beverly going out with about three minutes left in the first was huge for the Suns in this game because that's what I was talking about on our last pod is that that was the matchup I was really interested in seeing you know you know Kawhi Leonard and Paul George defensively are going to be pesky and they're going to do everything they can to shut you down. But when you have Patrick Beverly out there, who's also another above average defender pestering Ricky Rubio problems could start to happen. And Ricky Rubio didn't have a fantastic start from a passing standpoint. So he actually turned it into a little bit of offense for himself. I mean, he went four for five from the field in the first half, two for two from downtown, only two assists and 11 points. And that's because in that first quarter, it was primarily him against Beverly. But then Beverly, I think he tweaked his calf. Is that what happened? Was he? Yeah. Was he not even
1: in the end?
0: Yeah. No, he wasn't in after the third, after the first oh, quarter, he, yeah, he went yeah, out, he, was he, not. he He had eight total minutes. And cause I was looking for that. I'm like, where is Beverly? And like, yeah, so I'm looking it up and it's like, oh, he left with like a calf strain or something. I'm like, oh, that's big for the Suns." Cause again, my thought is if you have somebody who's pressuring Rubio and putting him in those tough situations to where he's making bad passes, the Suns can't execute. As Rubio goes, the Suns go. And with Beverly going out, I was like, oh, I mean, it sucks for Beverly. You never want to see anyone get hurt. But that's a plus for the Suns. That's a plus defender on Rubio, who was no longer there. And then all of a sudden, Ricky Rubio really turned his game on.
1: Yeah, another plus, too, was Lou Williams playing. One thing I pointed out last podcast is Lou Williams coming in and trying to get his feet under him and getting into basketball shape again. That helped the Suns. I feel like having that guy... You know, usually who can put up 20, 25 points a game in there and not really feeling it was perfect for the Suns. It was one player you didn't have to worry about. And, Lou Williams just playing was big, and I was really excited about that. That he, he was definitely, uh, you know, definitely just looking forward to maybe just getting in shape this game. It wasn't really taking it too seriously.
0: Yeah, and he ended with seven points. And if you look at the plus minus, he had the worst plus minus for the Clippers at negative fourteen. Yeah. So he ended up playing a total of twenty-one minutes, kind of spelling that that those Beverly minutes. But he's not a defensive guy in any way, shape, or form. He's the guy who, like you said, is going to he comes in and shoot. And seeing as he hasn't had an opportunity to shoot a lot. You know, he didn't really perform well. He needed to get his legs into him. He just needed to find what game shape was like. So he was essentially a non-factor in this game. Yeah. What was definitely a factor was, once again, Sarge coming in for Johnson and Payne coming in for Rubio. And I can't tell you how much I've loved not only seeing both of these players come in off the bench and perform well, but the fact that Monty hasn't tinkered with it. I really think that something that was frustrating for Suns fans throughout the regular season was one you know we had those annoying and nagging injuries Somani's hand was kind of forced in who he played but a lot of times I never understood why he made the substitutions he did one day and then the next day it was something different like yeah. for example he'd, Javon Carter would be the first point guard off the bench and I would love those games I'm like okay this is what I'm talking about this is the guy we need he brings the defensive intensity he can hit the three ball and then the next game Elia Kobos is the first off the bench. I'm like, well, hold on. Like, how are you supposed to develop any sort of continuity as a team? If nobody truly knows what their role is, it's like, listen, you're my first off the bench guy sometimes like that doesn't work. And with, him, with Sarge coming in for Johnson and then Payne coming in for Rubio consistently in the bubble, I think it's done nothing but build their confidence and fortify that bench that we needed ever so much. What are your yeah. thoughts on campaign?
1: Oh dude, absolutely fabulous. The only thing with campaign, I mean he's making his uh he's making his shots, making his threes. Um sometimes I feel like he gets a little bit too greedy and like a little bit too selfish with the ball, but that's just a little bit. You know, there's those plays where it's like okay, like there was that play where he got his own offensive rebound and then looked for the shot again, yeah. which was fine, but like you had DA underneath. It's like those things are like ah, but he's making his his shots. And that's the biggest thing for him. And him and Cam Johnson just or oh, I'm sorry, him and uh, Javon Carter coming off yes. the bench. I've never seen this. And that's what we said before this the game started was like, you know, I hope Monte gets his rotation down and sticks with it. And he has. It's never looked this good during the season, and we still have two players that aren't even playing, in Baines and uh, uh, Kelly Oubre. So mm-hmm. he, he knows what he has. He knows the players are going to give him good minutes, and he's sticking to it. That is something that we really haven't seen all season, and that's the difference, I think, in these games because they're close games. Whether or not the Clippers are really playing uh, you know, their, their hardest the whole game it, or it not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. bro. It doesn't matter, but we, uh, we're sticking to it, dude, and that's what I love. That's probably the best thing I love so far with these three games.
0: I completely agree with you. And I think going back on the kind of the Cameron Payne, vein if you will uh yeah he does have those heat check moments where it's like he'll hit two threes and you'll have da standing on the basket wide open he's like i'm shooting another three bro and you're like just do it man like you've earned the right at this point because he yeah. came in really big in that second quarter he ended the first half with 10 points and he actually ended the game with 12 so he was pretty much a non-factor from a scoring standpoint in that second half but he really helped build that son's lead in that second quarter mm-hmm. which the Suns held on to and maintained the the rest of the game. I mean, they never lost the lead. They got it was tied, but they never lost that lead again. And I absolutely agree with you, Campaign and Javon Carter coming off the bench. That duo is something that we've talked about here before on the pod, and it bears repeating. They're two guys who just hustle and play off of each other so well. It's like it's almost like a competition, like who can press harder. The way he closes on defense, Campaign is something that's very impressive. Uh, that one play where. Uh, he stole the ball from Kawhi Leonard, went down, had a left hand layup. Uh, that was just, if you watch that play, I mean, he's, he's 10 feet off of Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard gets the ball, and he's on him right away. I mean, he's got really good defensive closing speed, and it's something that should be noted as well. And then you also talk about the rotations. When Aaron Baines is ready to come back, the beautiful thing about this, my friend, is like the minutes are waiting for him. You have Frank Kaminsky, who's just kind of like, eh. Yeah, You know, he's not really making much of an impact. He hit one three that was, you know, I felt was kind of big at the time when it happened. Of course, every shot that went in today, I felt was huge. We were going against the fucking Los Angeles Clippers. So every time they made a three, I was like, okay, that's what we need. Mm -hmm. You know, keep hitting those. Uh, But once Frank Kaminsky uh, is deleted from the lineup and Aaron Baines has the availability to play in the lineup, good things will happen. Now the question is, will Aaron Baines actually get a chance to play in the lineup seeing as he needs rep and he needs time and they're not doing practices right now. Not extensive practices, because they're playing mm-hmm. every other day. Yeah, they don't need to.
1: It's just so. like the regular season, right? Where they don't really have a lot of practices. So, Well,
0: they do the more in the regular season because you have like three days in between games. Sometimes, so, yeah. But a lot yeah. of
1: times you get like one practice a week, maybe. One full practice or something like that. Yeah,
0: like yeah. one hard five-on-five practice. Yeah. And right now, Monty Williams said, he's like, we haven't had a chance to do five-on-fives other than the game. So it's like, that doesn't help Aaron Baines it doesn't. right now. And it would be nice to get Baines in there um, just to see if... He could do better than Kaminsky, but his legs aren't under him yet. I mean, he had the coronavirus; he's weak essentially right now, uh, which is a weird thing to say about big fucking Eric Baines. But, uh, but I do like the fact that like Czek Diallo, Eliacubo, Eliacobo, and Tydrome have not seen the court yet.
1: Yeah, there's no reason for it, and no we're not reason. playing. We're not playing one team here that would give us the edge to really bring them in. And, get some, mm-hmm. and like you said, Cameron Payne, they didn't really show up in the second half. But it's nice to just have those players that come in that would, you know, the, they fill the void for one half at least. They can give you those good minutes. And, and that's what you need, dude, good minutes. Yeah, Monty not putting those guys in that aren't going to give you anything. Maybe they will. Maybe they, we can't hope for that because we can't waste any minutes. We, we, gotta, we hoped
0: for that all season long and exactly. it never happened.
1: Yeah, never happened, man. Um but yeah Frank Kaminsky uh he did hit that one three, even though I should I thought he should have passed a cam Cam Johnson was wide open too. Oh you better make this because Cam Johnson (laughs) was wide open in the corner. Uh but it was a big three. The thing is like Frank doesn't really have any any great skills on defense he doesn't really he can't really rebound i don't know he's having a tough time
0: fumbling bumbling in the block Yeah. so i
1: mean it's nice so that the rest of the bench is playing really good at least at a b plus level right now mm -hmm. so that helps well and
0: he gets nine minutes because of it you know you just need him here and there and you hope that they're productive and you look at his plus minus he's plus eight so i mean yeah he's doing the job that you're asking of him uh the other thing i noticed uh don't know if you noticed this Mm -hmm. but there was one play and God, I forget the guy's name on the Clippers. Number 54, who is that? Oh, uh, Patterson, right? Patrick Patterson, Patterson? that's right. So pa- Patrick yeah. Patterson is shooting a three, and Kelly Oubre, like, right before he shoots it, Kelly really, like, stands up and, like, yells at him, and he's, like, yeah. right behind him. Yeah. Like, fuck it, let's go, Kelly. You know, he's still playing defense from the bench, bro. Like, yeah, he's I gotta, gotta love it. he. And even Devin Booker said in the post game today, he's like, Kelly Oubre is the loudest guy out there. And yeah, that's the is. benefit of having Kelly out there, man. It's just, you know, he is that we've said it before we'll say it again man the heart and soul he is the valley boys he's given us an identity and he's uh, he's doing that even in orlando even when he's not playing
1: yeah but he they need to cut to him every time on the after the suns make any kind of great play like a three pointer or you know just a great um put back dunk or something because he is going off he's really he's funny to watch and i think they should put him on the big screen for the sun's home games <laughs> yeah, just we, to be
0: like their cheerleader basically that'd be awesome <laughs> Oh, so the the Suns were up on the clip show, sixty three to fifty six at halftime. How were you feeling at the half?
1: Okay, you know it was weird. Um, I had to point something out. It was nice watching uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George um, play. It's nice to watch them, you know, draw fouls and stuff, but do it in a respectful way they're not, not a luke away yeah oh yeah they're not pitches about it so it's nice it doesn't get my nerves going it doesn't make me so pissed off to where i'm already standing up and wanted to punch a hole in my tv or wall like i actually enjoy watching them play I do and too. i was just i was chill the whole time i was just like okay we're hanging in it. You can tell the Clippers are kind of just keeping them within the 10-point, five-point range, whatever, you know, just until like the last five minutes of the game. Yep. But I felt good. I I mean, I didn't think the Suns were really going to win in that kind of game. I thought we actually had to get up by 20 maybe going into the fourth. Going into the halftime, I, I felt pretty good.
0: How did you feel? I felt kind of the same, you know, a little – I'm like, okay, a lead is better obviously than no lead. But we hit a three and then we gave up like a buzzer beater right at three, right? Like yeah, I think, you know, yeah. I think Leonard hit one right as time expired, and he only went three for ten in the first half. I mean, so kudos to Mikel Bridges being just pesky on, pesky on him. And Cam Johnson, too, man. And I guess this I, – I noticed this a little bit more in the second half. Uh, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. But this, they kept trying to do switches in the second half that essentially put Cam Johnson on Kawhi Leonard and took Bridges off of him. And Cam held his own. You know, I mean, Kawhi still ended up, even though having ten points uh, at halftime, he ended up still – thrown in 17 or 27 total points yeah and he did obviously a lot of that in the second half with cam johnson kind of switching on to him but cams cam stood up man i mean i was really impressed i think that cam johnson continues every game to showcase another uh, aspect of his game that impresses you and and has to get you excited for his future with the suns
1: yeah it really does uh even speaking about mikhail bridges um Mikhail was man, he was having a tough time today, of course, against Kawhi Leonard in the fourth quarter. Um, but like you said, Cameron Johnson like held his own most of the game against Kawhi or any kind of mismatches that they had that they thought they had. But mm-hmm. you can tell, though for Mikhail Bridges when Kawhi wanted to turn on and get to the hole, he can just do whatever he wanted. He can do him whatever and Paul George, he wants. they can do whatever they want. And now Mikhail Bridges knows like that's the best that I have to go up against. That's gonna be the best matchup right now for the next maybe two or three years to where I'm going to be switched onto that guy. Forget about Luca. This yeah. guy can do whatever he wants on me. So that'll get Mikel Bridges going into next season. Like I, in those matchups between him and Kawhi Exactly, Leonard. And
0: everybody else is not that. So everybody else becomes conquerable to him mm-hmm. and he wants to defeat the best from a defensive standpoint. And now he's kind of measured himself against that. Exactly. And again, it's one of those games where Mikel Bridges only had six field goal attempts and that's, because – and this is the thing, you know, when we saw the scrimmage games, we got all excited because Mikael Bridges has taken 18 shots a game. He's scoring, you know, 18 points a game. And we're like, okay, the the – The emergence of McHale as an offensive player. But you remember when you go against these really good teams, McHale is not going to have those great nights. He can't. He he has to guard the hardest guys on the other team all the time. The energy that he has to spend on them is ridiculous. What made me happy was the fact that he went three for four from downtown and finally got to see that shot go through the net. And I think that did a lot for his confidence. Once that first one went down, I was like, okay. And he hit a couple more. I was like, that's what he needs to see. That's going to develop his confidence. I mean, he only ended with nine points, but his peskiness – uh, you know, got him his typical two steals. And the fact that he held Kawhi Leonard to uh, 27 points and only 10 in the first half. Again, going back to how I felt at halftime, I was impressed with Mikhail there. And then, as I said, once we went to that second half, I really got impressed with uh, Cam. But you're, un- you're spot on with Kawhi. I mean, under two minutes, the game's getting close. And then Kawhi just does whatever he wants in every possession. And it's, it, it, was, it was tough, man, because you're like, shit, we're going to lose this. We're gonna lose, yeah. This man. Yeah,
1: no, that's the way it felt. Um, but that's that's Kawhi. Like, okay, so the Suns like somehow make the playoffs or something. They have to play one of these teams. That's gonna be the game. The whole game is the last five minutes. It's gonna be yes. that intense. Oh yeah. So it's uh, it's nice that we're getting these wins and we're sticking with these teams uh especially when they shoot um 53% making 17 out of 32 threes that's well, the way that's the suns can win yeah exactly and then um the clippers only made 8 8 out of 29 but their free throws again teams keep getting to the line against the suns well, the suns get no calls i mean that,
0: that's what was frustrating man i mean the the first half i really feel like there wasn't a, i think at one point it was like 6 to 4 as, tar, as far as total free throws attempted but come that second half man those whistles started flying again and it was Kind of frustrating. You're like, ah, really? You know, and I I think – I forget who it is. On Bright Side of the Sun, I think Sam Cooper put out an article and was talking about how the Suns are percentage points away from being literally the best free-throw shooting team in NBA history. I think uh, it's a Celtics team that holds an 83.2 or an 80.2 – free throw percentage, and the Suns go 10 for 14 and go 71% from the line. So, I mean, it's still within reach, but every time they miss a free throw, I was like, oh, damn it, (laughs) oh, shit. But what saved us, as you mentioned, is the fact that the Suns had 17 three-pointers in this game. They went 17 for 32, which is 53% from downtown. And you look at the Clippers, and they went 8 for 29, which is kind of where we live at normally. And you look at this season, there's four other times that the Suns hit 17 or more three-pointers they hit 19 against Brooklyn in November they hit 19 against Portland in March they hit 19 against Milwaukee in March which was the game that you were at the last game before uh the last home game before um the the mm-hmm. lockout the closeout yeah COVID shit and then 17 against the Clippers on October 26th which you were also at so um the fact that you didn't go into work today I think inspired them to get 17 uh, three-pointers and thus win the game
1: yeah, it made it easy on me. I just had to lay down most of the game, you know.
0: <laughs> but what but what's your thought on that? I mean, the fact that they have the capability to hit these threes, I mean, I guess it just makes it so much more frustrating when they don't hit them, because you yeah. can see the positive result when they do. I mean, I guess that's for every NBA team, though. It's kind of it a dumb is. statement. Let me just sip this beer.
1: <laughs> no, it makes sense, though, but what's crazy is the Suns were, like, shooting fireworks out there, you know, and, like, the, uh, the Clippers, I mean, 53%. I know. The Clippers just held in because they were getting to the line. They were th- still kind of slowing things down, playing at their own pace, which they love to do. And they just hang around. But the Suns have to get against these teams. They have to get the three going because they don't really have the inside game yet with Aiden.
0: Agreed. They can't They can't play that kind of game because Aiden just doesn't know how to dominate in late-game situations from the block yet. And I Not think yet. that's the key. So, uh, of course, following that, you know, it's 115 to 115. I forget who took the shot. Did Booker t- try to take a three? Or somebody took a shot, and it was it was a miss. It was, a, it was Rubio. Yeah, that's well, right. He,
1: it was like a driving, like, just the last Well, I mean, because,
0: because Booker tried to do something, and then it was just Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in his face. So he dishes out, dishes out, gets to Rubio. Time's running out. He goes in. He kind of throws up a running layup. It bricks. Zubak gets the rebound, and then he throws it, and then Mikhail fucking Bridges puts his big... You know, go, go, gadget, arm up, ricochets the ball in the air, and the Suns have it for one final possession. Yeah. How happy are you that Monty didn't call a timeout? Oh,
1: very happy. You know, I didn't even think about that until right now. We had it. I know, but I didn't even think about that right now. That's the way I've always been against calling the timeouts in those yes. kind of situations because you can't have the defense like setting anything up, even though, I mean, Booker didn't really have any chance of getting that shot up. That shot that, that Booker
0: made, I mean. Even
1: on the replay, it's like he shot the ball and it went through like Paul George's hand, like through his fingers. Like he had to force it through his yes. hand. Like, so, I mean, you can't call a timeout and set up better defense than that. It was just a better shot, better offense. The
0: level of difficulty on. Devin Booker's shot today was unbelievable for two reasons one he went to drive left and he's cut off by Kawhi Leonard one of the best defensive players in the league so he spins around to throw up you know something to beat the buzzer and there's Paul George one of the best defensive players in the league and I know this sounds maybe facetious but it looked like Kobe man that Mm. remind me of Kobe Bryant Be legendary I mean his idol he's wearing Kobe fives out there which looks so clean those Kobe fives that he's wearing right now Mm -hmm. and he hits that shot and then just it's it's great he's watching it go in from the floor as he's laying down on the ground he goes in he just puts his head back like I want to cry every time I see that like I'm so unbelievably full of elation seeing that shot I'm so happy for Devin Booker he's put in so much time and effort he had an unbelievable game. I mean, that's one guy whose stats I haven't even rattled off yet for all the Suns jamsters who could probably recite them out loud by now. But he had 35 points, 6 for 9 from downtown, only 5 free throw attempts in which he only made 3, 8 assists, and he was his plus minus was a plus 0. So I'm glad he made that final shot, or it would have been <laughs> negative 2. Um, but it's just unbelievable game for D-Book, man. He has worked so hard for a moment like that, so many times he's had an opportunity to, and, and he's made buzzer beaters before. It's not like he hasn't made a big buzzer beater, but he made a buzzer beater that counted in a world where everybody's watching him. Twitter went fucking crazy. I can't wait to, once we're done having this podcast here, because I'm going to go watch uh, the Rockets and the Blazers tonight. Because if the Rockets win, I mean, we gain more on the Blazers. I can't wait to see how many times they actually show it. You know, What did we talk about in our last podcast when it came to the Suns getting no love? What, what we were we talking about?
1: You know, I can't really remember this morning, so
0: you'll have to remind me. <laughs> I'll have to answer the clip or something right there. <laughs> yes. Well, we were talking about, like, we want the national – so essentially what we were saying is after the Mavs beat the Sun – or lost to the Suns on Sunday, it was six Mavs highlights on ESPN. Luca went for 40, Suns yeah, win, yeah. And that, that was it. And the conversation you and I had on our last podcast was like, listen, and, and maybe we're in the minority here, but it's like, I don't want you to show a ton of Suns. I don't care. I want to earn that. Okay, beating the Mavs was big, and but we did it in a manner that was more of a gritty manner. It wasn't a a spectacular manner. It wasn't, you know, Devin Booker and holding Andre Aiden. Yes, yeah, we were holding them off, and we just, you know, just won. This is the kind of moment where we did exactly what we talked about. Devin Booker got is the respect level just went through the roof because again, as I said earlier, how many moments can people point to where they go, oh yeah, that's a Devin Booker moment? Not none. If, if you're not from Phoenix, none. You, you, you're like, oh, yeah, Devin Booker. He's that guy who scored 70 once, like, uh, in his second or third year, right? And uh, yeah. he's fucking one of the Jenners or something. Like, I don't care. Now it's like, oh, you mean the guy who hit that fucking fadeaway jumper as the time expired? Full swish, by the way, on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Oh, yeah, I know who that dude is. Like, now it puts a moment to the face and the statistics and the history that is him. And like you said, now people will go back and watch that seventy point game with a little more interest. Like, oh yeah, look at this is the development that led to that moment. And what we hope a Suns fan, obviously, is this is the first in many, many moments.
1: Yeah, and Booker can care less too. He really can. After that game, like this shot. I mean, did you see the behind the scenes where he got to the locker room or wherever oh, yeah. that it was? was? Awesome. Like the the boiler room where they're they're hanging out yeah. at. <laughs> and they just started going crazy. But he can care less. He knows he's respected on the league. He knows his game. He knows he's great. It's just these moments where he'll make him even greater. Th- these are just the moments he needs to have. And he he, it got to the point where in this game he was shooting so well from the field where he was passing up shots where he kind of he missed before but then went to take the next wide open shot because he was trying to find the wide open guy again because he's just that kind of player now where he mm-hmm. wants to try to make the correct pass and he threw it to Saric went off his knee or something kind of weird like that I'm like see you can't do that you got to take the shot even EJ was saying too like I don't care how many you missed before even if you went 0 for 9 if you have a great look from the elbow like he did and he didn't take it like, you have to take those. And he made the one before the game-winning shot. Or I forget. I think it was over Patrick Patterson. Oh, no, no. I forget who it was over. That was a
0: great shot, That too. was a great
1: shot, too. It was almost just like the same kind of shot. I mean, he had a better look. Just one defender on him. And but it was those rising up shots that are like Kobe. It's yes. it's the same kind of player type. And it's what he's trying to emulate. And he's he's done it to a point to where he just has to get this team to winning consistently. And, like, when he laid his head back on the floor, he was basically, I think, thinking, like, wow, like this is the best moment of my career. And I have a team to build this around with, to go into the future. And he probably couldn't be any happier than he is tonight playing call of duty.
0: (laughs) Well, and I love one of the quotes that he had after the game was I'm not a big uh, guy for celebrating. Uh, The only reason my team got to me is because I was laying down. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he would have just ran off normally. So yeah, he usually does do that, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he runs, through, he runs yeah. right off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's just not big on doing that. He's kind That's of a good. humble guy. There's nothing to that. celebrate now. Like, it's, I love that. You know, on to the next one. You know, long I mean, road ahead. I, so again, kudos to Devin Armani Booker, man. Like, this is the culmination of so much hard work and effort, and it was just great to see. And and like we just said, and like Booker said, like on to the next one. You know, I mean, it's it's a tough game that we have upcoming. Uh, it's time to talk about Suns versus Pacers. Uh, yeah. The Pacers are one and zero against the Suns this season. Their only game happened earlier this season in Phoenix on January twenty second. I remember both you and I were there. Uh, the Suns lost one twelve to eighty seven in what I thought was probably their poorest effort of the year. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just one of those games where I remember the Suns came out lackadaisical on offense and defense. Uh, what's his nugget? Uh, T.J. Warren twenty five mm-hmm. points had his best, one of his best. Uh, games of the season up to that point. Obviously, we're going to discuss them here in a a second. Um, But what are your initial thoughts on the Pacers that we play on Thursday at 1 o'clock?
1: It's it's strange because I really think they're a tougher matchup than what – I know the Clippers are really good, but honestly, the Clippers are kind of just going through the motions a lot of the times right now. Um, So I was really worried about this game the most. That's why I predicted them to lose – just because I feel like the matchups are really bad for the suns. Like the last time we watched them play him was terrible, but this Pacers team is just really well-rounded. And I think, um, what's the likes of TJ Warren. I mean, he scored 32 again today and yeah. their win. So, I mean, he didn't even play. I don't think the, Oh, maybe he did play the fourth quarter Oh, I guess he did play the fourth quarter. He had 28 going into the fourth. So I thought maybe he would have sat out. Um, but, Man, I just – I don't know what to think of this game. I think the Suns' mentality has been so great to where I'm just like, oh, I hope they don't think this, where I'm not even worried about it because I think that Monte has his team ready to go no matter what matchup, no matter what defeat or loss they had before. Going into the next game, it's just like Booker said, on to the next one. They're focused for these games, but this is going to be a tough matchup for the Suns, one of the toughest, I think, in the bubble.
0: I, I agree that it's gonna be a tough matchup. I think one thing that helps us is the fact that Sabonis isn't playing. Cause Sabonis is somebody who reminds me a lot of Jokic. He yeah. is a he's a technically sound center with a jump shot, and that really throws DA off. Because DA can't play defense out on the perimeter and recover very well as of yet. Uh he does so in some switches, and that's where you kind of see uh you know, if, if it's a switch and there's a guard going there, he has an opportunity to block it. But when there's a guy who's yeah. just longer than him, he has a hard time with it. And I remember Sabonis, last time we played him, he went two for two in the fourth quarter, for, and he had six points with a couple fouls. But they, it all happened in, like, the last, like... Or it was, no, no, because it wasn't a close game. It was earlier in the game when the, the, the game was close, and Sabonis, like, there was a, a time where it's like they needed to put the Suns away, and that's when Sabonis... Put the Suns away. Jokic does the same shit. Where it's like when they need to score, just like Kawhi Leonard today, when the Clippers needed to score, he was the guy who did it. Sabonis is the guy who did it. So I think that the Pacers not having him is something that helps us. It's it's going to be tough, man. I mean, the Pacers won again today against the Magic, one twenty to one hundred nine, and they're also three and zero in the bubble. I think they're the only other team that's three and zero in the bubble, just like the Suns. And it, it's going to be tough, man. Victor Oladipo, uh, Aaron Holiday, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, Miles Turner and uh, TJ Warner, they're starting five. I think we might have a little size on them, but I feel like they have a lot more technical skills. But again, I don't know. I really can't like, if you're going to, when we talk predictions in this one, this can be a really hard one for me to predict because uh, I haven't, one, I haven't watched enough of Indiana and two, I just don't know what to expect from these Suns man, anymore man. They're they're fucking they're blowing my expectations out of the water. Uh let's have that TJ yeah. Warren conversation, huh? What do you what do you what are, you, what you thought? what are your <laughs> thoughts on TJ Warren, you know? No, dude, you know, I, mis, Mr. 53, Mr. I, ever since he's gone to the bubble, he's averaging 39.6 points a game. Yeah, Mr. Incredible, right? Cash considerations and a pick. What are Not, your thoughts on TJ?
1: I've always loved TJ. I love his game. Um I've for him to improve so much on the three from one season to the next is something I've never seen in my life. To where the last, the last season he was with the Suns, he was draining them at like a 50% rate almost. The whole thing with him being traded for cash considerations, I can care less. I love the Suns team we have right now. We couldn't be here if we still had TJ Warren. It just wouldn't work. It, never, it didn't work for four years with the Suns. It just didn't. It wasn't a fit. And now he found a great team playing with the Pacers. And honestly, they play in the East, and I'm going to root for him. It's not like it's a West team that we have to go head-to-head with all the time. Like, I can root for TJ because he's playing over in the East
0: with the Pacers. Yeah, you love TJ. Don't you have, like, a signed picture of him or something?
1: Yeah, yeah. He was, like – honestly, he was, like, my favorite son for two years. I I, I liked him a lot because his game is just so fun to watch. Besides him not being able to pass the ball in fast breaks, like, he just <laughs> – he was he's the best, like, scorer around the rim. Like, he just puts his body – in certain situations to where he can get a good angle at the basket, like better than anybody in the game. I, I just, he's underappreciated. I know he still has like the 18 points a game, which is still good for like his position, the leading score on the Pacers, but he just still unappreciated. So I like, I like how he's made his name in the bubble. Cause I think he's deserved it.
0: Yeah. TJ Warren is somebody, I mean, if you're a Suns fan, you have to respect TJ Warren and everything he did for the sons. Uh, Cause he was primarily our only offense there for a, uh, uh, Solid couple years. I mean, until Devin Booker really started to grow out of his shell, I mean, TJ Warren was the offense. Uh, As for the cash considerations and the pick and all that stuff, I mean – we want to have Ricky Rubio if TJ Warren was still here. I mean, that's a fact, those cash considerations and getting rid of his contract assisted, not only in getting Ricky Rubio here, but signing Kelly Oubre. So if you want to sit there and say, Oh, cash considerations were o for o from the field uh, today. It's like, no, take a look at good old Papa Ricky, who once again, we really didn't even talk about in the game that he had against the, uh, the Clippers where he went uh, for 18 points and only four assists. Uh, but, I mean, we wouldn't have him. I mean, yeah. So you got to you, you got to look at that. Two, you got to look at this. And uh, Dave King was saying this on the post game solar panel uh, podcast that he does with Espo and Tim Tompkins, and he's saying the bubble suits TJ Warren. He's a guy who doesn't like fans in the crowd. He's a guy who feels the pressure of the fans. He just wants to play basketball. So in this environment where there's no fans, he's balling out. He's 39.6 points per game. I mean, he's showcasing that he is a a fantastic scoring talent in the NBA. Is he a great passer? No. Is he a great defender? No. But he is a scorer, you know, and uh, this environment is indicative to his skill set. So I think that I'm, I'm with you. Like, I root for TJ because he's a former son. I typically root for him. I just don't root for them when would they go against us? So cash considerations were oh for oh I don't care man. Ricky Rubio, Kelly Ubrey being on the team. That's what's important to me. Kudos to TJ Warren. I'm happy to see you're doing well. Uh, yeah. I'm, tar- I'm tired of the jokes. Like it's just not that funny.
1: No um, yeah. And dude all Suns all Suns fans would tell you they would rather had um Ubre over TJ Warren. Oh yeah. Um you know what I mean? And now Cam Johnson's turning out the way he is. So we have to trust that they know what they're doing with this team and um when tj was traded it sucked a little bit but it was like i i i I expected it so Mm -hmm. um good for him though i think uh it'd be exciting i I love watching the pacers and i love watching tj so i'll just keep watching him on the pacers
0: (laughs) (laughs) what uh what do you think of this matchup for the suns though do you think that you know given that sabonis isn't there you take a look at their lineup Is this a team that is just defensively going to shut us down and pester us, kind of like Boston did a little bit in the bubble? Mm -hmm. Or is this a team that you feel now, based on the Suns' performance, that they can overcome that?
1: I don't know. It's such a good question. I I Honestly, I don't know. I I think we're going to get the best out of the Suns, and they're not letting down against any team. They're just not. There's no option for that, honestly. Uh, I don't think – I don't know why. I just have a gut feeling the Suns might lose this game. And it might be TJ scoring 60 points against us. No, that ain't (laughs) happening.
0: I I honestly don't think that's that's going to happen because, yeah, McHale's going to be up his ass. You know, they have Victor Oladipo, so McHale might catch him Oladipo, but he's going to be on TJ because TJ's hot right now. And and guess what? Like I said earlier, if, uh, if Cam Johnson's, you know, up to it, maybe he can switch on to TJ as well. I think that, you know, we have the opportunity to really kind of play some defenses that, TJ is probably not expecting, you know, he's a former yeah. son. He has yeah. expectations coming to this game. It's like, dude, you know who the sons are right now, man. So I'm really excited to see this. Do you have a prediction for the game?
1: I'm going to say <laughs> they, I'm going to say they win. I know I want to be right where I said they're going to go three, and zero and lose four in a row, but the way they're playing now, I, I just, I don't accept that. I think this is a different team, different mentality. I thought maybe they can catch three teams in a row by surprise until people are like, Oh, we got to take them seriously, which is actually the great, the great scenario that I predicted because now like Booker hit the game-winner shot. It's all over the place, all over the bubble, all over the media. Everyone knows about it. So going to the next game, they're going to be more noticed. And that's exactly what's going to happen. But I think they're a team now that can overcome that to where it doesn't affect them. And I'm going to predict the Suns win 125-103. to I think it'll be a blowout. Wow! I was all over the time. place on that one too, but I, just now, just right now in this moment, I chose that.
0: <laughs> well, the funny thing is, I don't know if you noticed this, but the last two games, the Suns have the same exact result. They won one seventeen to one fifteen against the Mavs. They won one seventeen <laughs> to one fifteen against the Clippers. So part of me kind of wants to say, okay, Suns one fifteen to one or one seventeen to one fifteen over the Pacers. Yeah. But I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, and the odds of that happening are like none. Uh, but I do think that the Suns are going to uh, win this. When we were going through, we were picking the teams that we think they'd beat and the th- teams that we thought that they would lose to, uh, and I originally had them winning this game, and I'm just going to say five points. I'm going to say Suns by five. I'm not going to try okay. to pick the numbers, uh, but Because we don't by remember five. anyways. <laughs> yeah, we, we forget the next <laughs> what, what, time what anyway. What did we
1: say last pod? I forget the whole pod. It's <laughs> yeah, terrible.
0: I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just so much going on right now. Yeah. And, uh, these, these extra IPAs are hitting the dome pretty good. There's really a
1: chance, too, by... Um, a game in two days to where the Suns, if they win, they might be in that ninth spot. If everything well, goes their way the way it has been.
0: Yeah, no, that's the other thing we haven't talked about. I mean the Suns are no longer in the 13th spot, man. They're in the 12th no, spot. They not. passed yeah. the Kings today because the Kings lost in overtime. I forget who. Oh uh, Dallas. Dallas. Dallas, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah, Luca had like a 40, 20, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, because of that, the Suns are now <laughs> in 12th place and we're two games out of the ninth spot right now. Mm-hmm. And it's that's beautiful. why it's big tonight. I mean, obviously, we're going to be releasing this here tomorrow, so we'll know obviously the result of the Rockets and uh, the Blazers. But if the Blazers yeah. lose, then we are, you know, a game and a half, I believe, behind them. You know, and that, I mean, that's the keys. You want these teams to be falling ahead of you, and it's happening. Like it's all happening. It's the weirdest yeah. fucking thing that's going on. Then,
1: <clears throat> tomorrow, Memphis plays Utah, and then you got. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else we got? So Denver plays San Antonio. So those are tough matches, yep. matchups with those guys. And then Thursday, oh, yeah. you got New Orleans, Sacramento. So one of those teams, two teams have to lose. Yep, yep. And then and one uh, has to win. Portland versus Denver, another tough matchup. So the Suns, I mean, they're playing tough teams too. So as long as we keep winning, I feel like it, it's going to fall into place if they just go 8 no. That's simple, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean the fact that we're three and oh right now, I'm just I'm over the moon. Me too. I mean, this is so much fun Feels as great. a Suns fan. You know, do you do you what this honestly reminds me of? This reminds me of the beginning of the season when the sun's started out so hot and everybody started coming back like, oh, you know, like it's like it's like somebody comes, yeah, you're looking in your yeah. backyard and there's all of a sudden someone peeks out behind from behind the trash, and you're like, Oh, who the fuck are you? They're like Oh, yeah, I hear the suns are good, right? Is it cool if I come yeah. out? And you're like, and, and instead of being like, get the fuck out of my yard, you're like, come on, man, come, come on, on, let's come do this. join me. Yeah, so here's it, a jersey. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, here's my old TJ Warren jersey. Yeah. Here's a, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's just like if you're new to, uh, uh, if you're a bandwagoner. Yeah, Welcome to the wagon, bro. If if Devin Jump Booker on. hitting that shot is something that changed your th- outlook on the Suns, welcome aboard, man. We're so happy to have new listeners and new followers every day. I mean, it's it's so much fun as a Suns yeah. fan to just have this community to talk to. So, yeah, that feels great. It really yeah, does. Fan fucking task. I haven't
1: felt like this in a long time. And plus, I know you're. you said it's like the beginning of the season, but honestly, this is just this feeling of them this close to the playoffs and maybe they have a chance to even make the, the play-in. Like, it's just, it blows my mind. I know it's I predicted surreal. them to make it the playoffs. I know. I said, what did I say in, in my predictions? Uh, sure, yes. Okay, I believe yeah. so. Or whatever. I believe so. <laughs> I yes. Believe so yes, I believe so.
0: <laughs> Famous words from Matthew on you know, Bright Side of the Sun when they asked, <laughs> yeah. will the Suns make the playoffs? Everybody said no. Except, and gave like these long in-depth reasons as to why. Matthew's response, yes, comma, I believe so. <laughs> Did you ever know it's that like, you're my like, hero? It's like asking if,
1: like, if uh, is your sister upstairs taking a shower yet? Yes, I believe so. That's what it's. <laughs> <like.
0: laughs> um. So, how about we kick it now to Mark Schindler, who is the co-host, uh, and he's a contributor and podcast host over Indie Cornrows, and he's going to give us his thoughts on the matchup with the Suns and the Pacers Thursday at one. All right, the Suns Jam Session is excited to welcome Mark Schindler, who's a contributor and podcast host for the Indie Cornrows SB Nation site. Mark, how you doing? Where are you at in the world right now?
2: I'm in Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm doing pretty well. It was actually a sunny day today, which we get about ten of those. Uh, ten of those every quarter in the, in the year so we'll take you man i'll, I'll uh, can't complain it's definitely not phoenix uh, i was about to say man i will ship yeah. some
0: sunshine yeah. to you dude we got so much uh, no i don't ridiculous. need that much in my life as long as it's like <laughs> 65 out and i uh i can oh, wear a tank top oh I'll, wow I'll, I'll live so yeah that's amazing yeah, we're, we're rocking like 111 every day out here so i'll do
2: see but it's different it's been i was when i was talking to dave yesterday it's been like 90 percent humidity here so it'll be like 85 with 95 percent humidity. No, I'm not about it. Can I swear on this pod by the way? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. (laughs) Cool. I have an issue with slipping out, so I, I got to make sure. No, nah, we,
0: we, we click the little explicit box every time cool. we do a podcast because right. yeah. I can't help it. I mean, we are Suns fans. F-bombs are going to fly. So.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. So, you got goat
0: shit in your front office, it's going to steep into your podcast. Someday. It rolls so. downhill. So, so we're super excited to have you on the pod. Obviously, the Suns are playing the Pacers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Arizona time. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. Um, and I guess the first place I want to start with you, Mark, is let's just start with the T.J. Warren conversation. Let's just get this out of the way. Uh, I, got, I just got to know, of what are your thoughts when the Pacers acquired him July 6th last Ooh, year?
2: Wow, yeah. Um, so I, I got a lot of thoughts right off the bat. Number one, um, I think the discourse around has been a little bit crazy. Uh, he's been phenomenal. He's a really good player. He had his best year in the league here. Um, I talked to some of his assistant coaches from, from when he was in – Phoenix, and they've talked about his mentality shift and everything and and what they see from him now Um, I think a lot of it has been a all right it just in all honesty uh, James Jones got nothing back and sent him away with a second round pick which was ludicrous but at the same time uh, it was important to get Ricky Rubio and it's the first point guard you guys have had since Eric Bledsoe uh, said that he, you know, I don't want to be here <laughs> on Twitter, um, yeah. and then claimed it was at a coffee shop and did not want to be there anymore. Oh, uh, but that—that's one of my favorite NBA Twitter moments. You're, you're um, very well versed in our history Yeah, I have a good uh, good NBA knowledge, so it works <laughs> out. Uh, I can't remember what I'm supposed to get the grocery store, but I'll I'll remember what Eric Bledsoe tweeted in 2016. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at with it. I think TJ's been awesome for us. He's been huge uh, as as turning into a high-end wing for us. Uh, but at the same time, I think it it worked out for Phoenix in the end. albeit with some, uh, semi shitty front office moves, but it was James Jones's first job. So you know what, whatever we'll cut him some slack.
1: Yeah. I heard that, uh, when they got the call that TJ Warren was coming to Indiana, the general manager was actually like, what are you serious? It was kind of one of those things
2: said that. Uh, Yeah. Kevin Pritchard was very much like, what the hell we're getting a starting level player for free. We'll take it. Um, yeah, no, that happened for me too. I was sitting on my couch doing some draft prep because that was the night of the draft. And then I had an alert come on my phone from, I think it was Shams, that, uh, that T.J. Warren got traded to the Pacers along with the second-round pick, second pick. And I had to, I went and I talked to some people I was like, is this for real? Like, this <laughs> looks like a joke. Uh, is there some kind of misquotage? But, like, no, it was, it was legit. And it, it, was, uh, it was pretty great. It worked out well.
0: Well did what you, was kind of, oh go ahead. Sorry. I was just gonna say what was kind of crazy for us is like it said that we shipped all that stuff to you right away. Mm-hmm. And it took days for us to find out what we actually got back and it ended up being cash considerations and we're just like, Oh yeah. So so, so nothing. So nothing. <laughs> yeah. Did you no, I yeah. mean
1: you're well versed in the NBA of course, but did you know about TJ's game and is that what made you excited? Uh, He's just a well um performing like He's high efficient scorer, basically, and he has kind of an old school game. Were you did you know much about his game before he got to Indiana?
2: No. So actually I had to I had to pull up the film a little bit. No offense. I didn't watch the Suns much. No, um, no, I, I, the I think first. the last time I watched the Suns was during the 48 and 34 year when you guys didn't make the playoffs, which that's mm-hmm. a whole other story. Um, but yeah, I mean I, I didn't know a ton about his game. I did know that he was not a good defender. Uh, That changed completely in Indiana this year. Uh, He became a really solid defender.
0: Why do you Um, think that is?
2: uh, That's just what you do in Indiana. I think that's the way to put it. Um, Guys kind of come here to revitalize their career a little bit. Um, I think a lot of it for him. I mean, he had like, what, three coaches in four years in Phoenix? Mm -hmm. Um, Just no real stability. So it's hard to, unless you come in as a defensive-minded player, I don't think you're going to really embody a a defensive – a defensive culture, you know, if there's not really one there, mm-hmm. um, so and I and, and I mean Dan Burke, the defensive coordinator for the for the Pacers, has been there since the late '90s. I mean, he's probably the longest employed assistant coach in the league. Um, Nate McMillan has always had that kind of mentality. I mean, he was a, I believe, three or four time All Defensive player when he was with the Seattle SuperSonics. Um, and I mean, that's, we've we've just transformed guys like that. I mean, Thad Young was a good defender coming in, became a borderline all defense guy. Should have made one, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Bojan Bogdanovic became a decent defender. If you ever want to watch some of the worst defensive tape ever, go watch him play in Washington. Um, yeah. So I mean, it just it just happens. You, they get they get the best out of guys on both ends for the most part.
1: TJ Warren is probably the MVP right now of the bubble. Um, What do you think about his performance so far? I mean, I'm sure you're pretty happy, but initially you probably didn't see this coming right with him playing this way. I know he's a, he's a ball player that just wants to play ball basically. And now that they're playing in an open gym, like this is like a dream come true for him, I think. Right.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I, uh, I did not see this coming at all. Uh, I mean, uh, just knowing a little bit about TJ and, and the way that he works and his work ethic, um, I'm not super surprised. I guess the way that it's happened, I'm definitely surprised. Did not expect 53 points. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually is—he tied Jermaine O'Neal's franchise record for points in three games uh, in the bubble span currently. Wow. So uh, obviously significant, and it's just been the way he's done it. I mean, he's—I mean, you guys know from having him there for a while, he's just so comfortable scoring. But the way he's been doing it is at a whole other level. You know, he's taking—I mean, he gunned 12 threes against the Suns I mean not against the Suns against the the Sixers which I mean it, it takes him three or four games to shoot 12 sometimes so uh I mean he's just completely comfortable he's taking heat checks like no other the way he's driving has been crazy and it, he's just getting it done and it's been it's been awesome to see I think he's taking another step as a player I'm not trying to be you know hot takey with that but uh I mean his handle's a little bit tighter he's making passes he hadn't been before um the game's just really coming to him, and I, I, I don't think it's just a hot streak for him. I think that he's going to continue it. Obviously, the percentages and everything will drop. thats You can't sustain 65% shooting and 60% from three. It's never going to happen, but uh, I do think he's taking another step as a player. It's pretty awesome to watch.
0: Now, and his progression, I mean, even here in Phoenix, from his third to fourth season, you saw that progression. Then fourth into fifth season, I mean, so every year you're seeing that continual progression. He, what I like about TJC adds something to his game. You know, mm-hmm. there's some guys who I wouldn't even say they're they're content in what their game is but they're kind of limited by their physical abilities. And TJ's got that scoring mentality, man, and it's uh I I'm somebody I'm glad to see him doing well and I'm glad it's for you guys. And I'm glad it's in the Eastern Conference so I don't have to play him 3 times a year <laughs> and get reminded yes. how great that he is. So we talk about the bubble. How do Pacers fans view these 8 games? Are you looking them as a warm-up as or is this a chance to actually move up and take that number 3 seed?
2: Yeah, so um that's a good question. I think the way I've looked at it, at least number one, coming into the bubble, uh, there was, a, there was a lot of turmoil a little bit as a Pacer fan and I wouldn't even necessarily call myself a fan. I guess I'm a fan, but covering the team you try and be like less biased about it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously with, I mean, Vic made his decision on July 3rd that he was not going to play then reverse course a little bit heading into the bubble, which was, it just kind of created a lot of mixed feelings. Uh, Demata Sabonis. uh, was ruled out with plantar fasciitis. He hadn't practiced at all. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's probably not going to be in the bubble. Uh, he's listed out as indefinitely, but he hasn't practiced, not even in uh, when the teams were running, you know, uh, when, when guys were coming in and running drills with assistant coaches back in Indiana, he hadn't even practiced then. So uh, to to come from that to into a playoff situation, I don't think he's going to be in. So when you look at that, we looked at potentially Victor not playing, most likely Victor not playing, uh, Tuman is definitely not playing. Um, so we, we were automatically coming in and thinking, okay, we'll just, uh, survive and, and try and get the out of here without any injuries or anything. And, uh, and then the, the game happened against the Sixers and Victor decided he was going to play that day. Um, I remember I was on the media call actually the day before, uh, the day before Victor made his decision. Uh, me and I was talking to a couple of other guys who covered the team we were like, oh, cool, he's making his decision just like out of the blue on, on a Friday. Nope, waited until right before the game on uh, against, against Philadelphia. So it was a nice surprise. Um, and the game was just crazy, man. I totally did not see it happening. Um, I was personally going into that thinking you're going to lose. Um, not to be a pessimist, but, I mean, when you're down uh, – one of your best players, it's hard to to go in and be a really good team like Philly. But to, in, in all fairness, they have been totally off in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. now, I yeah. mean, 3-0 to start. Um, I think we're just looking at, can, let's get to the first round, see what happens. Um, the team's lost three straight first rounds in a row, partially, you know, largely due to injuries. Um, but I, I think the the major goal for this this bubble experiment is to get out in the second round. See what if you can make a series against the Bucs because likely that's who they'll face in the second round series if that happens. Um, but I don't see this team doing much against the Bucs.
1: Um, well, besides like TJ or even Malcolm Brogdon, is there a player on this team maybe that Suns fans, like the casual fan might not know about that you would want to, you know, give a heads up, be like this guy, you got to look out for this guy. Who would that be?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, yeah, who's going to break our hearts tomorrow? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. it's, always, it's never Ooh. the stars who break our heart. It's always like some random guy off the bench. Yeah, um,
2: it'll be either TJ McConnell or Justin Holliday probably. Um, TJ McConnell, he's, he's not a shooter. It takes like maybe a three a week at that. Um, but he really sets the tone for the bench, uh, especially with Damanis Sabonis out because Sabonis normally runs the bench unit. Um, but it's, now it's been McConnell. He's pretty feisty on defense. He's not like a great defender. He's pretty small. Um, but he, he gets a lot going in the drive and kick game. He has a really weird kind of crafty, uh, fade game from like 10 feet out. It's pretty automatic. Um, and Justin holiday is just going to defend the hell out of anybody. He actually played the four most of the year, which is look at him completely wired frame. He's six, six, like 205 pounds. Um, But he defends extremely well. He'll probably defend Devin Booker a little bit tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised. I actually think T.J. Warren will get part of the assignment because last time that we played, uh, T.J. Warren took on that assignment and guarded Mm -hmm. Devin pretty well. Um, But, no, Justin's really good. His offense has not been as good in the bubble, uh, largely because the bench has been struggling without Sabonis. Um, but I think if there's going to be two guys who people maybe wouldn't necessarily notice, those would be it for sure. They're right, both nope. really quality players.
0: Note to self, I'm writing that down. Those are going to be – T.J. McConnell's going to kick our ass. <laughs> um, I can only hope. <laughs> so the Pacers are obviously in the Eastern Conference, and they're a team that we just don't have much exposure to uh, out here on – you know, I want to say the West Coast, but you know, in the Western Division. What would you say your strengths are as a team and your weaknesses?
2: Um, so the strengths – It's interesting. I think this team is kind of, uh, I don't want to say, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. It's a little bit like that in some ways. Um, this team has a lot of really solid reliable players. Uh, I think it's just hard to look at, you know, when this team is fully healthy, they have a lot of really good strengths. Uh, they can be locked down defensively. It just depends, uh, what lineups out there and how they're, if they're locked in or not. Um, they have the capability to be really great from three, but I mean, we're finally starting to see. Actually, that's been one of the nice parts of the bubble, um, just kind of by virtue and with Sabonis out and shifting to a smaller lineup, um, they're taking, I believe, the 11th most threes in the league currently, which is a nice uptick from 30th in the fucking league. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, it, it's 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 interesting. You know, I, I try not to be like too hard on that, but it's it, it becomes a math problem. You know. Yes. Um, you have to just shoot a certain amount in order to keep yourself in the game. The teams finally starting to figure that out and they're shooting well from there. Um, so that's, I think what's been really potent for them. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think the biggest thing would just be, there's a lot of guys you can create from mid range, which you don't see on, on every team, or at least, you know, even if there are guys, they're not going to consistently do it. TJ, I mean, as you know, he's automatic from, from anywhere inside, you know, eight to 16 feet, he's going to mm-hmm. hit a shot. Yeah. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, very similar in that way. Victor has been – he gets a lot of his bucks from that. He hasn't been driving a ton. Miles um, Turner is good from there, although I wish he would shoot more threes. Um, you know, everybody – there's just like seven or eight guys on the roster who can really hit from a good from a good spot for mid-range. So I think that's, uh, that's something you're definitely looking at tomorrow.
1: Well, you brought up Malcolm Brogdon, and what the Suns like to do is they like to trade away – players for nothing so this is mm-hmm. when Blutzo was traded to um the bucks i really wanted brogdon in the trade which the bucks were not going to give him up when this when the pacers actually signed brogdon though to the sign of trade was that a player you wanted to add was were you excited for that sign uh, sign oh trade, yeah or, totally. oh were you or was there someone else yeah. you were looking for no i was definitely excited about that oh were um, you okay
2: yeah, because I remember the, the before you guys got Ricky Rubio, we were actually on track to get Ricky Rubio. It was the, There was mm-hmm. a quote that came out that the deal was all but done, uh, and that was what yeah. I believe his agent said that. Um, and so I actually was excited about it. A lot of Pacers fans were not uh, because he is not a shooter. He actually mm-hmm. has shot pretty well in Phoenix this year from what I've seen from him. Yeah. Um, he's a lot better of a player than I think people give credit for and realize, and uh, you can kind of see that in Phoenix having the best year they've had since Bledsoe's been gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean Malcolm is is a good player. He, he, his shooting splits weren't great this year because he had his first real uh, on-ball roll. But he's a really good driver. He facilitates well. Can score from the mid-range. Really good in catch and shoot situations. But off the dribble and uh, and contested shots aren't really his bread and butter. Um, so I think he's still kind of ironing that out as well. But he's one of the hardest drivers in the league. You'll definitely see that tomorrow. He's going to take Ricky Rubio to the rack. All day. Um, And, uh, I mean, Aiden will meet him there. Aiden's actually been really good on defense this year. I was talking to Dave about that yesterday. His defense has been so nice this year compared to last year. Oh, yeah. Last year's defense was not there. Um, But, no, I really like Malcolm Brogdon, especially because Indiana's not really a big free agent draw. I think the biggest free agent we've had in my lifetime was David West, and he largely came there because of of our training staff. I actually talked to him about that, like, two months ago. And that was his biggest reason for coming to Indiana, because he'd come off uh, his first significant injury. And uh, we have probably a top four or five training staff in the league, um, which I think is significant with Malcolm, too, because he's a pretty injury-prone guy, which we saw this year. Um, But, no, he's been huge. I I really like him. I'm excited about his fit with Old Depot moving forward and uh, their ability as a backcourt. And I think he fits the timeline nicely. And for the most part, you you weren't going to get anybody who was going to be close to Malcolm's level on, the free agent market. So I think it was a, it was a boon of a deal. I would definitely do it over again.
1: So where the Pacers play banker's life Fieldhouse, That's the name of it, right? Is that yeah. the name of it right now? Mm-hmm. Um, how many you've been to a lot of games there or. So
2: actually funny thing I have not been to oh, you an haven't actual okay. Pacers game. I did. So I grew up in Ohio. I grew okay. up 15 minutes away from quick loans arena, uh, where LeBron played growing mm-hmm. up. So it used to be called gun arena. Switched mm-hmm. it to quick loans. I like Gund a lot better, but, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's funny. So I didn't really get into basketball until the mid-2010s. Um, I grew up, you know, going to basketball games and everything and seeing the really good LeBron teams before he left for Miami. I didn't have any appreciation for it. I didn't understand how good LeBron was or uh, what was going on because those were the best Cavs teams of all time, you know, before yeah. LeBron came back. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I didn't get into basketball until he was mm-hmm. in Miami. Cavs were terrible when LeBron was in Miami. So uh, I think I I just turned on a playoff game. Uh, I I was I didn't have anything to do. I wasn't like a sophomore in high school. Um, And it's the middle of May. So I turn on a playoff game. It's uh, Pacers versus Heat and Paul George dunks on Birdman and then I fell in love with the Pacers from there. So Unfortunately, that was uh that's the year before Roy Hibbert forgot how to play basketball. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been stuck ever since. So I, I, I yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I am with Pacers. <laughs> I'm hoping to go to games with media availability in the next whenever this the arena actually opens back up again. Yeah, I'm yeah. Looking for a ways from now, but
1: yeah, I uh, yeah. it's a it's a great place to watch basketball. That's what I was going to ask you is how great mm-hmm. it is it? Because I hear like the fans are on top of the court basically, and it's just Indiana great for the basketball. game of basketball. Yeah. It is
2: really cool. Actually, I I would say, though, the coolest arena, uh, I haven't been inside of it, but I've had, you know, just from talking to friends and uh, Snapchats and everything, Hinkle Fieldhouse, where Butler plays, is probably the coolest on, on-court setting in the country. Like, that's actually right on top of everything, and it's cool as hell. Nice.
0: All right, so i got to ask this question. You know, from the outside looking in on the Phoenix Suns, who, who are we to you? Like, I mean, obviously, Devin Booker just hit – probably the biggest shot of his career and the biggest shot of Phoenix Suns history in the past 14 years, you know, but from the outside looking in, what are your thoughts on the Phoenix Suns as you're getting ready to face them tomorrow? Besides the fact um, that you, you'll probably think that you'll just roll right over
2: us. Like I do not think that actually, I think it's going to be a tough matchup. Um, Devin Booker is going to be really difficult to contain. Uh, Rubio's drives at the rim are going to be hard to contain. I mean, miles Turner is one of the best rim protectors in the league. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not worried about Deandre Ayton, but DeAndre and has the potential to be a guy who miles Turner will have trouble with because he's not great against really awesome post threats. You know, guys who are super strong, like he struggled mightily with Joel Embiid and that's been the story since he's been here. And that's not a, you know, I mean, there, there are very few guys who can defend Joel Embiid without mm-hmm. having a problem. Uh, so he's good against players. Like he played pretty well against Nicole Vucevic yesterday Um, Aiden, just from what I know, more of a face-up guy. He's not really going to take you to the rack a ton. Like he'll get to the bucket, and he's really mm-hmm. efficient there, but he's he hasn't really seemed to utilize his strength a ton yet. Uh, so I think when he does get there, he will be a problem for Miles. But right now, I think Miles will definitely uh, play pretty well against him, and he's going to space him on the offensive side as well. But Booker is going to be ish- interesting. But I, I think it- it'll be kind of between Old depot. And TJ Warren on on Booker for sure, and I expect TJ to have a pretty good game coming back and, and playing against Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think actually it's funny. I was I was doing a podcast on this earlier today for another pod that I run, just covering the whole NBA. I think Phoenix, especially with what with Jaren Jackson uh, being out for the Grizzlies, uh, I think if Phoenix can steal a couple games here moving forward, maybe they finish six and two. Um, I could definitely see them sliding in and facing Portland because I, I think Portland's going to slide up and get the eighth seed.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: it looks like the Grizzlies are probably going to drop because they lost again today. So they're on four.
1: Yeah. JJJ's um, out too. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's, I personally think that Phoenix is going to be the one to, to, to rise up and, and and get into the nine seed and face Portland to, to try and get to the playoffs. I don't know if they will get to the playoffs, but I'm excited. I think it's huge for Phoenix moving forward Um and, and kind of, getting back into the realm of being relevant and I could see this team being a playoff team next year.
1: Oh, well, thank Hope you. You're right. <laughs> yeah. This is nice.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean like, I yeah, really like Monty Williams and what he's done this year. I watched yeah. a lot of you guys this year and um, I think the record is kind of, it, it's, it, I wouldn't say that you're, you're like a false, you know how people like mention like a false whatever seed uh, because a guy was injured all year. That's how I look at Phoenix. I mean, when Baines went out, you guys really struggled he was huge to what you were doing. I mean, obviously, Aiden was suspended for half the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were – Rubio missed time. Like, I mean, the, the whole roster just wasn't together at at points. And um, I think it's a good team. I'm excited to watch it. And uh, I definitely talked about it on my podcast that I did yesterday that I think it's going to be a tough matchup. Probably the second-hardest matchup we've had. Orlando was kind of down yesterday. Philly was obviously tough. And the Wizards are uh, – I'm not sure why they're here.
1: So. <laughs> So your prediction for the game, you think it's – uh?
2: I think it'll be tight. Um, tough, I, but I, think so I would win. definitely say the Pacers will probably win. Okay. Um, But, I, I mean, it's the bubble, man. Anything can happen. Yeah. If Booker plays the way that he played in the fourth quarter, I was watching that game today. Um, if Booker plays the way he did in the last five minutes, then it's going to be a very, very tight game, no doubt. And Mikhail Bridges yeah. is uh, – I think that's probably going to be the hardest defensive matchup that TJ's had because Ben Simmons did not play very well when they played – um, but Bridges has been insane, so I'm excited to see that matchup. I think TJ will get the better of it, um, but it'll it'll be good. I'm excited.
0: Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to it—a battle of two three and O bubble teams going against each other. Uh, what's more exciting than that? So, uh, thank you, Mark, for joining us. If you want to let everyone know where they can uh, read you, uh, listen to you on your pods, hit hit us up with that information.
2: Yeah, for sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Schindler NBA and uh, check out my writing at premiumhoops.org and over at Indy Cornrows. Um, and you can check out my podcast. Uh, it's the Premium Hoops podcast. It's all NBA coverage and then the Indy Cornrows podcast as well. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Oh, that was yeah, a good time.
0: I, we appreciate it. Excellent interview, as always. Much appreciated to Mark Schindler from Indy Cornrows for joining us and giving us his thoughts on the Pacers. Uh, Matthew, do you feel more confident or less confident that we have it, uh, you know, against our odds against the Pacers.
1: More confident. I feel great now. <laughs> Here's I the funny great. thing:
0: is we're recording this before we record the interview, so I just put <laughs> yeah. Matthew on the spot. We're recording the interview later. I,
1: I had the whole interview going through my head. I was like, wait, so he might say this, he might say that. <laughs> I feel more confident now.
0: Welcome to the magic of podcast <laughs> production. So uh but again that was you know super awesome that we're having these different members of SB Nation come on and talk with us uh it's it's pretty awesome I don't know I I tweet I tweeted at Sabrina after the game and she's just like yeah that 18 point spread against the Clippers I guess I was wrong I'm like yeah see in the uh Western Conference Finals she didn't respond
1: (laughs) (laughs) bad day bad Bad day day. for her Ah, I feel bad
0: no, you don't. Oh, wow. Uh, don't do know. you want to do one mailbag question?
1: Yeah, one pop through. Let's see. What's yeah, we, have,
0: we we had one pop through. So again, thank you to the Suns Jamsters listeners. You can reach out to the show at sunsjam... Or not at. sunsjam session at gmail.com. And this is from uh, Jonathan Che, loyal listener Jonathan Che. We appreciate you. And he just had another one of those Bleacher Report proposed trades uh, for every lottery team this season via Bleacher Report. And they said... The Wizards trade John Wall, the Suns trade Ricky Rubio. What do you think of this trade?
1: Are you yeah. Are you kidding me?
0: I think no way. Wouldn't it wouldn't work you seen, financially.
1: Have you seen
0: <laughs> I know. I mean I have mean, you seen
1: John Wall's mixtape lately? God, he looks good know. in the gym, man. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> yeah, no, that wouldn't fly though. I mean we'd have to offload some of the contracts, of course. But uh um, yeah, he he's makes- making forty million a year.
0: Sounds, sounds about right. I mean, he has one of yeah. the worst value contracts in the league. Obviously, Ricky Rubio is somebody who we have under contract for the next two years at a premium price of about $17 million, which everybody said was a horrible, horrible deal. Mm-hmm. And I di- strongly disagree with that. Uh, so, you know, to answer your question, Jonathan Che, I'm going to throw the... Jonathan the week. At that one, because I just I don't think it's worth yeah. our while. Cool. cool
1: nicknames though, Optimus Dime and Tupac or John Wall's nicknames. i
0: really Optimus Dime. Over.
1: Optimus Dime, that's pretty badass.
0: I like that. I, I like that. that a lot. All right, Matthew. Well, I think that's it. Is uh, is there anything else you want to tell the Suns Jamsters listeners before we skedats?
1: No, hopefully uh, the Suns are 4-0 and after you listen to this or actually that doesn't make any sense. Hopefully we're still 3-0 and and then we go to 4-0 and with the next game. Where are we in the podcast?
0: <laughs> I have it's no idea. It's uh, a confusing yeah. thing, you know? I don't know. We're putting out so many podcasts right now because <laughs> yeah. there's so much going on in our timelines. You know, we're on like the darkest timeline right now. But our next podcast will be coming out on uh, Friday, probably late Friday. And that's going to be a review uh, or uh, yeah, a review of the pacers game and okay. a preview of the who the fuck do we play on saturday the heat the heat preview for the heat Ooh, that's gonna be a tough game God that's damn. the game i picked as my second loss oh was that heat game man. I, i'm tough. not looking forward to them that's hopefully, good, hopefully the heat are like team.
1: cemented where they're at and then that's
0: they're like rest them yeah
1: just rest but em. you got to
0: realize and and the, the Suns are starting to create some waves, man. Some people want to come out and just shut every, all the Phoenix fans up. You got to know yeah, that's a factor out there. I know. So. That's
1: what's going to happen. That's why, like I predicted, 3 0 and then 0 4.
0: Do you think they're going to make the playoffs? The Suns? Yes.
1: Yes, I believe so.
0: <laughs> it's worth the price of admission. All right. Thank you so much, Suns Jamson, for hanging out with us. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter.
1: Matthew. at yeah, Matthew. Let's see.
0: All right. I'm going to go get another beard. Thanks for joining us. Take care, everybody. Thank you.
1: Oh, go ahead and love your family. (laughs)